of Scotland to the spiritual splendor that is Augusta. Grab a seat, grab a glass, and punch your ticket to the power train. Welcome back. Episode 8, Matt. We are in the heat of the NCAA tournament starting in March, and you know what's coming up. Masters is coming up. Ev, good to be back. Good to be back on the power train. I feel like every episode, every episode we do is special, including this one. Wow, that's yeah, that's touching. I mean, I, I, when you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's touching. Okay, the car girl is here. You know, we got to start drinking to do this thing. It's it's part of the part of the routine, pre-shot routine. Uh, I'm ordering uh, Bud Heavy. Wow, that's very cliche of you being from St. Louis, but yep. I do enjoy Bud Heavy. I got actually a Heineken Light, uh, Highlands Finest Brew. So oh, okay, cheers, best buddy. Best tasting light beer. Let's best drink. tasting light beer. Sorry. Let's, let's drink some brews. Let's move. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris loves it. All right. Oh, he's good. So <laughs> we got a special episode. We're gonna go to. I had the uh, pleasure of sitting down with the voice of TaylorMade, Jay Nelson, who has done their commercials, their voiceover commercials, for uh, roughly fourteen years. So Jim Nance's voice is putting you to sleep on Sundays. Jay's the voice that wakes you up during the commercials. He's, he's got that kind of voice. So uh, sat down with him in L.A. He talked to us about some uh, stories behind the scenes at TaylorMade and the world's best PJ Tour pros, how he got one of the best jobs ever. Uh, and then we go through some funny segments and end the show with a bang. So for anyone that does a golf trip with their buddies, uh, we sat down with some talented, creative people. And we put together a little uh, little movie script for my golf trip that's happening in May. So our golf trip has a theme every year. It's Ryder Cup style. This year, it's Zookeeper versus Harambe. Oh, and uh, we had the voice of TaylorMade plus some nice trailer music do that at the end of the episode. So a little treat at the end. Yeah. No, Evan, in all seriousness, this, this is a pretty cool opportunity for us at the part train to get, to get Jay on. And uh, we want to get the listeners uh, hearing that here pretty soon. So how about we play a quick nine like we always do? And if you just do me a favor and speed up your pre-shot routine, let's get going, okay? Quick nine. Let's do it. All right. You're leading off. What's a, So we haven't really talked since the Oscars ended, so we'll throw something in there. What's a better analogy for how uh, the Oscars ended? The Little Giants scene where the kid gets kicked in the nuts or Sandlot when Smalls throws his stepdad's Babe Ruth ball over the fence to the beast? Sandlot, Smalls, completely helpless feeling. The Oscars was... Completely helpless. Price Waterhouse Cooper, especially. All right, Ev. More dangerous after eight beers. You being at a PGA Tour event with your buddies or at a Cardinals Cubs game? Eight beers deep. I'm going PGA Tour event because there's a lot of walking, there's water hazards, there's bunkers, and it's like a damn war zone with those balls flying all over the place, and you're not really supposed to be loud. So I'm yeah. going PGA Tour event. Okay. So, Matt, DJ is TaylorMate's poster boy, number one player in the world now. He's already won two tournaments, two big ones, and is now number one in the world, as I said. Is he your favorite to win the Masters? He is my favorite, Ev. Um, I, I don't think any course doesn't fit his game. As long as he's focused, nobody can touch him. He doesn't play a draw off the tee, just saying. It doesn't matter, Ev. A lot of drawers have won. Let's keep moving. <laughs> okay. There's been a lot of moves going on in NFL, one of my favorite times of the year. Most shocking move to you. Um, Bill Belichick riding coach class and sitting in the middle of his flight, if you didn't see that last night. Um, that's very shocking to me. I think our <laughs> friends at Barstool said something like, in order to be a king, you must sit with all the peasants. And that's what he was doing. 
So that shocked me more than Jay Cutler leaving. Okay. Wow, classic, Bill. Getting secrets for Tommy Boy. All right. All right, let's move. Ev, you're the biggest Bachelor expert I know. You got the finale tomorrow. Who's your prediction to win this thing? I will say Vanessa because Nick likes a strong woman, but I'm predicting that Vanessa's going to turn him down, Nick's going to be alone, and then he's going to ask us to come on the par train. Wow, expert advice there. That was yeah. riveting. Okay, yeah. uh, and back to golf. I'm sure you caught the latest Verity episode with the one and only Phil Mickelson. Yep. All right, let's be honest. What caught your attention more, Phil's super cool black leather jacket or the science behind his pre-shot routine? I'd say the combination of that leather jacket plus his receding hairline and that weird tan line that he's got on his face. Come on, man. Wear some sunscreen. Let's do this. This looks like a cool. Okay. So two of the great traditions in sports are coming up. March Madness and the Masters, two of our faves, especially me from Arizona. What do you honestly get more excited for, Matt? That's a hard question, Ev, but I'm going with the Masters. Being a golfer my whole life, Masters. Let's move. There it is. But Ev, with the Masters coming up... We got a lot to talk about, but I was thinking if you could have followed Jim Nance around for an entire day and say a tradition unlike any other at your, at your command, what life situations would you most want to reserve for that? I want that at work. <laughs> I want to be up there to give a presentation and I want Jim to stand there and preface my work with that line. hundred percent. Tradition unlike any. And then I jump right into it. I get a raise, bonus, you name it, I'd get it. Okay, last one. This one's a little bit brutal. On a scale from immigration ban to 9-11, how wrong was your judgment of my 2017 PJ Tour picks versus Old Tom's? I got 15th. He's at 234th. Okay, you're off to a great start. I'm wrong, okay, but the season's far from over. How dare you call me an old Tom out on the air like this? Old Tom's my boy. No, so you're wrong. You guys call me out for picking speed and Matsuyama. I mean, come on. What kind of golf fans are you? Give it time. Long season. Okay. Wow. That was it. Wow. That was speedy, Ev. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. All right. So we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to give you our interview with Jay Nelson, the voice of TaylorMade. And we are back. We have Jay Nelson, uh, one of the nicest guys around, the voice of TaylorMade, the godfather of golf voices. He's a director, editor, and he's been the voiceover for almost all of TaylorMade's commercials since 2003. Jay, I think your first ad was Mike Weir's 2003 Masters victory. So I'm excited to have you on. How you doing? I'm great, Evan. Uh, thanks for having me here. Yes, in fact, it was 2003 and Mike Weir's victory. That's and awesome. I'm- so before we dive into some questions and have a little fun here, uh, do you want to start us off with a bit of a taste of that golf voice we know? Maybe a, <laughs> a number one driver claim, something that you've said thousands of times? <laughs> you really put me on the spot. I mean, typically yeah. I walk into a room and they've given me a script and I basically say the same thing I've been saying for 15 years, which is tailor-made, the number one driver in golf. I love it. But See, that that's here, a, doesn't that make you feel warm inside? It's a familiar voice on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon that, you, that you're used to hearing. I love that. Well, and I'm certainly grateful for the continuity that they've allowed me. The funny thing is, like, when I first did the tailor-made voice, I was 
30 years old. So I, I actually, somebody sent me a copy of my voiceover reel the other day and I heard that spot on there, you know, and, and it opened with, uh, what drives you, Mike? And it was like listening to uh, a, tw- you know, a 15 year old me. It was like, you know, the, 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 the little Muppet baby's version of what Kermit sounded like when he was a kid. It was weird. Sure. Yeah. Well, Hey, I'm turning 30 this year. So this is full circle. Oh, well, good for you, young man. <laughs> so first off, I think we have to address what a lot of people, well, at least what we're thinking here. I've always said that a voiceover artist is the best gig in the business. You walk into the room, you do your work, maybe a few hours worth, you leave, get poured with thousands of dollars and you get to hear yourself on TV. So how did you, how does someone get your job? Well, how I got the job is a bit of a long story and it goes all the way back to a time when what you just described was in fact true. If you were one of those guys in the, you know, a group and, and back in the eighties, nineties, like there were 15 guys in the get every call for a voiceover category. And they literally went from voiceover session to voiceover session in limousines until they were able to then build their own studios. In which case they were doing voiceover sessions with a whiskey in hand at 11 o'clock in the morning and a personal assistant. And they were, you know, calling it in and they would do two takes. Nowadays it's a little different, but uh, I started out on radio actually. And, and somebody told me I had a good voice. I got a job as an assistant editor and the mm-hmm. editors would use me to do their uh, rough voiceovers when I was like 21, 22. And eventually got to a point where I was getting close to, unseating celebrities for voiceover. Um, and then by the grace of a few good friends, I got into the union and, and pretty much from there it was off to the races. Awesome. So for the listeners out there to give some context, uh, Jay and I worked together on a couple shoots when I worked for TaylorMade's ad agency. And, you know, when, when you're the voice of TaylorMade for 15 plus years, you're going to see you're going to see and experience a few things. So, what was the best behind the scenes golf story that that you can tell us? Well, you know, I didn't get to go on set as much as you did. However, um they invited me onto a crazy shoot and I was there actually to direct while there were a whole bunch of other productions going on. And this is about, I guess, four, maybe five years ago. DJ and Jason Day weren't yet the mammoths that they are now. Yep. But they were, you you could just tell they were on the rise. Sergio, you know, was all the rage. And I've always liked Sergio. Anyway, they brought me on this thing and, and they put it, you know, I had a camera in my hand and they said, all right, well, we don't have a place for you to shoot your commercial, but we just want you to run between holes and try to grab whichever golf legend you can grab who's willing to give you some time, either in his golf cart or in his dressing room or whatever it is. And, you know, it was Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Jason Day, uh, Sean, what's his name? Sean O'Hare. 
O'Hare, who who at the time had just kind of broken onto the scene. Yeah. Um, who else was running around there? The mustache guy. Justin Rose, Johnson Justin Wagner. Just yeah, Wagner was there. So I um I'm gonna tell you two short stories, okay? Okay. The first one is is you know what it's like to basically stand at a locker room door at a major shoot with legends walking in and out and trying to grab them as they're about to, you know, change their pants and say, Hey, can I sit you down on this bench here and have you give me a really intense look? And a couple of them, to be honest, were like, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just, you know, I just did that. And I was like, okay, but most of them were very accommodating. And I put on my, you know, best tiny Tim, poor me face so that they would give me what I was asking for. And, uh, and I have to say, like, they were all approachable, whether they said, no, I'm not dealing with that or not. But the guy who intimidated the heck out of me, and I'll say this about too many people, but it was DJ. I mean, the guy <laughs> has an intense presence. One, he's a yeah. superior athlete. He looks like a superior athlete. But he's also got this sort of, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a force field around him so mm-hmm. to get him to just get close enough to him and and ha- ask him something was was really tricky i finally broke the force field i was like hey you know i just got to do this going to take me 30 seconds i'm just going to have you do two or three takes this is all i want you to do which is like look down like you're you know thinking about the next nine and then look up and stand up and walk out and i think he probably muttered four words to me in the course of what was five to 10 minutes, but he gave me what I wanted literally because that's who he is. And what I was right. asking for is exactly who he is. So it was a, that was a great moment. But then I, I had to complete my mission and the story I wanted to do and, and it, and I needed somebody. And so I went to Justin Rose and I was like, Hey man. And I'd had a good rapport with him all day. I'd also had a great rapport with uh, Jason day. who was phenomenal. But I went to Justin. I was like, Hey, um, I was wondering if I could come into your hotel room at 530 in the morning before you leave <laughs> and just shoot some scenarios with you. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, I, you know, it's this commercial and this is the idea that I'm going for. And, you know, I just want the intensity because most people don't get to see behind the curtain of where you guys are after you're done. And, you know, you're packing up your bags ready to fly to the next location. And yeah. And uh, so we're in the elevator and he reaches into his pocket to pull out his um, hotel key and he won, he won. He couldn't remember what floor he was on. And he pulled out five different keys from his pocket from like the last five golf events that he'd been at where he'd stayed at a different hotel. He's like, I can't even remember what floor I'm in. He's like, I do this every week and every week I completely forget <laughs> where the heck I am. But he was so incredibly accommodating. He was just the nicest guy. And, uh, you know, we had a, we had a great, we had a great sitting. I spent about 20 or 30 minutes with him. And then I, he walks off and he hands me a massive uh, crate full of golf balls that, you know, he was using and didn't want to fly with. So I had a, I, I still have this, what is practically a lifetime supply of Justin Rose's golf balls, which was awesome. That's awesome. The 99s. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah. He's got the 99 yeah. on there. I love that. So there's a, there's a consistent theme there. So the first request you had of DJ when he was in his boxers and the second was with Justin Rose asking to uh, shoot him in his hotel room. That's that's right. But it was, <laughs> it, the commercial didn't end up being that racy. It was, it was much more personal, but not sure, that sure. personal. 
I remember that. Ad. That was nice. Uh, so do you have a behind the scenes story you aren't supposed to tell? Can we get a little dirt here? Gosh. I know I'm putting you on the spot again. Um, you know what? I'm going to say this. I, I, first of all, I will never, ever disparage a tailor-made golfer. Never. Because that's my brand. That's your brand. I'm loyal to those my guys. My brand, too. Yeah, and I, I'll never in my life play anything else, no matter what. Like, that's that's that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just the way it is. I guess, you know, if I... The only really, like, ugly behind-the-scenes stories that I might tell would not reflect well. And there's nothing scandalous at all. Like, you know, I, I didn't get that much, that much exposure to those guys. You know, I... I mean, I grew up literally on the fairways of Muirfield. So I was, I grew up at the Memorial Tournament. I grew up in Jack Nicholas, you know, Mecca. There's yeah. gro- grocery stores called the Golden Bear. So I, you know, I grew up in that universe. And there was a, there's a sister course to Muirfield called the Country Club, which, I, you know, that's the course I learned to play on. And, and when Jack christened that course, I was about 12 years old, I think. And I'd been playing for two or three years. It was also caddy. It was the only place they would let the the local member kids caddy. You, you couldn't do that at Muirfield. And so I got to carry Jack's bag. And, you know, it's not, there's nothing dirty or, no or anything about it. But yeah, I got to carry his bag for a couple holes. And then a few weeks later, Bob Hope blew in and I got to, I got to, you know, huck his massive bag around for three or four holes. They would, you know, rotate the the kids from the club, and, you know, with these legends. So it's not a it's not a behind the scenes thing. I, I, I would never get dirty about my heroes at all because they're my heroes. And TaylorMade is, of course, my you know that's my uh, that's my Empire State Building. I just love them. So yep. So do you? So the one thing I will say is this: I noticed one thing, and this is me saying it, not you. So you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I noticed when I was on set with all these guys that the bigger the ego, the slower they moved. That's true. I don't know if you saw that as well, but to me, I think Camilo was probably the slowest moving. Sergio was maybe a close second, but I just noticed that specific trend. Yes. That's you're you're right about that. Camilo was that Camilo was an interesting phenomenon with regard to that too. Um, I did put a GoPro in Sean O'Hare's golf cart and I forgot about it <laughs> and, I le- and I left it on and then he forgot about it too. That, that was interesting. Um, that'd probably get me in trouble. What's Sean O'Hare doing these days? He's actually starting to play well again. Good. Yeah. He's, he's been up there the last couple tournaments, but what is, uh, just out of curiosity, what is the favorite ad you've ever been in? Uh, for TaylorMade? Yeah. I, you know what I have to say, frankly, I mean, I loved them all. It was such an, cause I got to, I got to edit them as well, which yep. is the other privilege. And it was, you know, it was just a creative darling for me. It was never about the money and it certainly was never about the voiceover. You know, it was about the people. Mm-hmm. The, the best one I ever, I think I was ever a part of, at least the one that was to me, the most memorable was what drives you, Mike, the first one, because mm. it, Cause that honestly brought me back to golf. I had quit golf for a long time and I really didn't know at the time much about TaylorMade. And I had watched that masters completely by accident. I was tuned into tiger 
because yep. I've always been a fan of him. And, uh, and so that ad brought me back and I kind of got to direct how we worked with the footage from the masters and create something original out of something that was, you know, set in stone. So, and, and then, you know, I just put my voice on there and it, they ended up liking it. And I didn't know at the time it was going to be, you know, a, a beautiful 15 year relationship, but it did change my life. So I, when you say any ad for Taylor, I mean, I remember a couple, but, and I've done probably a hundred, as you know, yeah. that, that very one was the one I remember. And then shortly after that, Freddie couples won a tournament after having not won for 15 years. And I got to look at, you know, candid footage of him, like crying, you know, as a man who's, who at the time was now my age that I am now. And, and I, I'll never forget that too. Um, but yeah, it has to be what drives you, Mike. The first one I did. Man, that first one, it sounds like you peaked early. <laughs> well, we always search for that same glory, man. It's yeah. like hard to get it back. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So real quick, you've, you've met tour pros. You've been around them for a while. Who's your favorite player on tour and least favorite player on tour? I pulled Jason Day at 7.30 in the morning to the driving range of that shoot I told you about. Yep. And I put a three-wood in his hand and had him swing it for a full hour without a break while I filmed him. <laughs> he didn't say a word. He didn't even groan. And after an and he actually, as you, you may or may not know, his home course is Muirfield. Yeah. So we had instantly had a lot in common. For sure. Uh, but he just he just did it. And I was like, you know, he's like, what do you want me to do? I was like, I want you to hit that ball. When I looked out onto the range. Do what you hit, know how to do. Yeah, that's right. We were the first ones out there. Yeah. Uh, every single ball was within 15 yards. It was just this massive pile of an hour's worth of range balls. And after an hour, he he kind of, I was on a boom. I was like way up high. Yeah. And he looks over his right shoulder at me. He's like, you know what, man? <laughs> Can I take a break? I'm, I'm getting pretty tired. And literally, it had been an hour. And I was like, you know, we're done. I said, you, you've done it. He was just the sweetest, nicest guy. And I'll never forget that. He's the man. Uh, yeah, I love Jason. I, I'm always rooting for him. I'm always rooting for Rose. You know what? I mean, Tiger is and has always been unwaveringly my hero. I can't wait for him to go and, you know, do what Jack did later in his career and win another Masters or, you know. Do so you think just, he's going to do it? I know he's going to do it. He's going to oh, do wow. it. And he, I just don't think anybody's ever and may never touch that level of greatness. I just, I mean, that period when he was on the rise from 97, even probably before, was so magical. Like, you, even though I wasn't that tuned into golf, it was everywhere. Yeah. And I'll never forget. So I'm always rooting for Tiger. I'm I'm very curious to see what happens with this character Beef. I just saw <laughs> a video of him and John Daly trying to pronounce Arby's on that. I think it was the PGA's Instagram yeah, page. Yeah, I saw it was that. Hysterical. This is and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about Beef. He seems like a nice guy. My favorite golfer on tour right now has to be Paige Spiernak. Oh sure, yeah I would uh, I put her up there. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with that. She's on a pedestal for me. Yeah, my I, I would. I would 100% agree. I bet our listeners would too. Yeah. Um. So okay, that's fair. I take that yeah. answer. I like that answer. Okay, good. Uh. So, real quick, just to get in a bit to the golf industry. Um. I know we've both, you know, we've both been inside the walls that Taylor made, and I would love to hear from your standpoint. You know what it's like been riding that wave because you've been riding it a long a lot longer than i did 
uh, since '03. Obviously, from 2010 to 2013, we were really kings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, killing it in the industry, and now they're facing a little bit of challenges. And and Callaway's been coming on strong. Have you seen any differences from your standpoint with at least what you've been asked to do, or is there anything that you've noticed from the outside looking in that? explains the this wave between I'll tell you what. manufacturers i'll tell you what i mean i'm sure there's a a real inside golf politic of, within the manufacturers i'm mostly privy to the direction of their advertising and as you know and as i know acutely well the way we position advertising with a brand is that brand's identity and and frankly tailor-made has nary wavered in 15 years yeah and there's a reason like you know they've always been driving technology they definitely as you said were on top of the world in 2010 and so on but look at them now i mean dj come on like dj jason day tiger like you know their cadre of players is incredible yeah and and i know the guys sitting in those hermetically sealed labs with the fingerprint codes on the doors most of them are probably the same guys i know the guys that are still in the trucks at the tour are the same guys so i think the heart and soul of the machine is there you know the you know marketing departments change the administrations change certainly the politics of what you know other brands they're affiliated with changes but tailor-made is man they're the they're the shiny sword they're the you know they're the guy sitting on the the throne to me and i think I, it's going to take a lot to get him off of there. Yep. Yeah, well, I actually have, thinking back to what we were previously talking about, I got a funny story about DJ at that same shoot you were at. So I was in the fairway with DJ probably when you were in the other fairway with Jason. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're doing fairway shots, fairway wood shots, but we're on a par four. Right. And you know how long DJ hits it. So we are oh, looking yeah. back up to the tee box and you know what it's like on these shoots where there's, you know, 14 productions happening on 14 yep. of the 18 holes. And a lot of times people are hitting all over the place because of the angle you need with the sun. So sure. it's kind of like a war zone. You know, the balls are of flying course. everywhere. You kind of have to be careful. And DJ turns back to the uh, the tee box where we have, you know, $100,000 equipment. And I'm like, DJ, I don't think you can hit up there. Like, you can't hit that equipment. And he said, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'll hit, I'll hit it to the, I won't hit it. And he's hitting a three wood. So, you know, right. Right. And he is so precise that he missed the hundred thousand dollar equipment every time, like 10 yards left of it. It was unbelievable. Wow. That's pretty awesome. But that's no, the number that's... one player in the world about well, four or five years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, you could see that spark in his eye and the potential in these things, even back then, you know, I, there was another story and you were probably there when this happened. They were shooting something with him and it was the early days of drones and they'd stuck a massive, you know, probably 50 pound camera on this drone. They were flying with him. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just was, I was shooting random stuff, you know, for B roll and whatever B roll being, you know, alternative footage for commercials or what have you. And DJ's almost was, he was almost not DJ because that drone came down at a hundred miles an hour to the ground and, and crashed probably, what, 15 yards in front of him. And, you know, uh, that was 
utterly amazing. I don't even think DJ flinched, though. I think he stood there like the Rocky statue in Philadelphia. Yeah. Love that. Okay, I got one more question for you before we have a little fun. Okay. And then I'll get you out of here. Uh, how would you define... Let's do it in one word. How would you All define right. TaylorMade's brand versus Titleist and Callaway? Well, it's a comparison. See, so one got- word each. Okay, dude, that's a bit of a curveball, man. Because I could talk about this forever. I really could. Because my dad was the chief of Bonnie Club, so I learned to play with his Wilson Pro staff circa 1968, and I didn't switch those out. I've yeah. only owned. I've only owned two brands other than title uh, than than TaylorMade, and one was a set of Titleist Woods and and a set of Hogan PC irons. But TaylorMade is, I mean, there's plat, they're platinum. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you're talking about precious metals, you can't. I don't think you can go above platinum, right? Uh, maybe diamond, but yeah, yeah, I'd say diamonds are a precious metal, and golf clubs aren't made out of diamonds. That's true. Taylor, TaylorMade is is they're just the most solid. I think the most priceless golf clubs. I I still. My favorite golf club that I play with is the R7 Quad. I won't. I I play oh, with M1. I got two bags, and the, the R7 is the one I just can't let go of because when I hit it, it sound it literally sounds like Thor hitting an anvil. You know, it just it, it's yeah, a, that's, it's that's a hell of a sound. I'll, I'll never give it up. Thor and an anvil, hell of a sound. Yeah, but but yeah, I'd have to say TaylorMade is platinum. Titleist, I mean they're. It's an old standard, you know. Yeah, it's their legendary brand. Um, but uh, I don't know. I I like TaylorMade's golf balls better than Titleist, and I grew up with Titleist. Mm-hmm. So, Callaway, I think they're just they're you know if you I'm giving you way more words than you asked for, but I think Callaway's just they're imitating TaylorMade. If you ask me. Oh wow! Shots fired. Uh, shots are fired, <laughs> but I'm never playing any of those clubs or balls again, man. That's true. Shots fired. No epic for uh, for Jay. Okay, so we've got some segments we're gonna have some fun with. So we've got two segments, and then I got a little sample voiceover for you. Okay. All right. So the first segment is called Sad Violin. Yep. So I can start to give you a sense of what we're doing. Sad violin is basically anything in the world. It doesn't have to be golf. It can be if you want. Okay. Of what you think encompasses a sad violin. So I'll start, okay? Okay. Okay. Justin Thomas last week portrayed my mark of a sad violin. The guy missed a three-footer, blamed the uh, spike mark, I thought he was going to bury a hole in the green by the amount of times he was hitting the green with his club. I think it was about five and a half times. A lot of force. Then he threw his club when he missed. There was some interesting stuff online on Twitter you saw, probably with No Laying Up crew. Uh, They did the uh, pro tracer of his club throw. It was basically like Hideki Matsuyama, but he actually let go of the club and threw it into the stands. Um... And Justin Thomas tends to make a pretty ugly face when he's looking at the ball. So I would say Justin Thomas is my sad violin. That's a good one. What about you, Jay? I'm going to start the sad violin. We're going to have our producers start it right now. (laughs) Okay, great. 
This isn't golf. The Houston Texans just traded a valuable second oh, round. Oh, wow, he's going football. To the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> just so the Browns would take their $17 million contract quarterback, Brock Osweiler, off their roster. Yes. And what did they get in return? A fourth round pick. <laughs> Things are pretty bad when you're trading a second round pick and a quarterback just to get rid of the quarterback and your return is a fourth round draft pick. I, You know what I'd love to see? Something not so sad, which is Brock Osweiler leading the Cleveland Browns to a Super Bowl next year. Wow. Well, to that note, Brock Osweiler, all he is is tall. Hopefully the Texans <laughs> get Romo. And we'll go from there. That would be something. It, would be, it wouldn't be violins, man. It'd be guitars. Love that. Yeah. Okay. The next one is heating up. So heating up is about something that we think is catching fire. Something that we think is on the up and up. And my heating up this week is the open mouth smile. I don't know if you've seen this, Jay, but I created this in circa, I want to say maybe 2002, where the, the photo on Instagram or the photo in general looks a lot more authentic when you've got your mouth open, when you smile. It looks in the moment. It looks like they caught a, you know, a humorous laugh. And I got to say, I see more and more people doing it. And I think my open mouth smile is starting to heat up. You know, I've taken a lot of open mouth smile pictures because I don't have a natural smile. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to object to that because when you got an open mouth smile, it looks like something's just going to fly in there. <laughs> and if you've ever seen my open mouth smile, you know that there's nothing more in uh, ingenuine than an open mouth smile. I'm going to have to go with the forehead touch pose forehead to forehead oh i don't i don't think there's anything hotter and more suggestive than two people touching foreheads doesn't matter what expression is on their face nothing says something hotter and deeper than forehead to forehead whether it's man to man woman to woman man to woman i just think you're you're stepping out onto a a, a volcano plank with that one right there wow the par train has got a lot of poses here in March. The yeah. forward to forehead and the open mouth smile. I love it. Yeah. Maybe, All right. Maybe you and your your buddy there should do a, a forehead to forehead pose. That could the, that could be a good Instagram hit. Yeah. That that could go viral. I love that. Okay. <laughs> I got one. We got the grand finale here. Okay. I'm kind of so, tired. <laughs> I know. I don't just, know. Just hang in there. Just, you know what? There's a lot of talking. I talk a lot. <sighs> what do we got? What and do I, got? I don't have thousands of dollars to pay you either. So this is, this is grinding. It's just like the golf out there. You got to grind. Okay. I got one last thing for you. You got the script. I've got the producers waiting and ready to put some, this is inception. I've got the inception trailer music. Okay. Okay. Ready to be in the background when you read. So to give some context to the listeners, I'm a part of a annual golf trip called the Ricky cup. So this is 16 guys. We go to Palm Springs every year and we replicate the Ryder Cup in every way possible, plus beers and pool time 
after every day. We have press conferences. We'll probably have a part train podcast actually at the Ricky Cup in May. So look out for that. But every year we do a different theme. This year, the theme, because, you know, we don't do USA versus Europe. We, we get creative. This year, the theme is Harambe versus Zookeeper. So keep that in mind. Jay, I'm going to start the trailer and feel free to begin. This May, the world as you know it will end. A new fight will set fire to the desert in a nation divided. Chaos will reign supreme. A battle for the ages shall commence. Good versus evil. Light versus dark. Caged beasts versus their captors. This is about more than land and freedom. It's about the crowning of a champion of an entire movement. This summer, 16 men, two teams, one victor. The Ricky Cup, a tradition unlike any other. Wow. I was hitting the beats there. I couldn't imagine a better way to end an episode. I was hitting the beats. I, that, that was a great trailer music. You know what? Even if the listeners don't love, I mean, how, first of all, how could they not love that? But even if they didn't, at least I got something to pass along to the Ricky crew for the rest, the rest of our, our history for the rest of our life. So thank you for that. This was fantastic. I love, uh, I'm glad that we got to reconnect. I love the work that you do and you're one of the nicest guys out there. So I appreciate you coming on Jay. It's been a pleasure. Listen, hit me up J H Nelson, uh, on Instagram. If you want me to do your, uh, you know, phone answering message. Uh, I'm happy to do it. It'll be free. There Just, it is. You know, a, little self, a little shameless self-promotion. There it Thanks is. Thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. I love talking about golf. I love talking to you, Evan. Total fun. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. We'll talk All soon. Right. And just as the sun rises and sets in Scotland, so too have we come to the end of another part train. Be sure to follow us at the part train on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. And may your glasses always stay full and your ball always end up in the bottom of the cup.